New Faces, part one, take one. Again, there, friends in Whitecaps land, and welcome to episode 171 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. It's been draft day in MLS. Yes, I know that doesn't narrow it down. There's like 20 million drafts every other day, or that's how it kind of seems in the off season. But this is the big one the first two rounds of the MLS Super Draft taking place in Los Angeles today. Friday, January the 13th. Not the most exciting draft compared to, to years past. Not a lot of movement, trades, excitement, players that there was a lot of folk buzzing about. And it also felt like it was never going to end. I think it was possibly three and a half hours it went on for. Felt like twice that long. It's just, heaven knows what it's going to be like when they add the other expansion teams. It's going to be like never ending. So you can understand why there's been no TV coverage of it the last couple of years. It really, really is a hard slog. The White Cats didn't have a number of picks this time around. They had two. One in the first round, one in the second round. Seventh in each round after their pretty poor 2016 MLS regular season. But they, they made the most of it. They got two really solid defensive depth picks. And we're going to chat to them later on in the podcast. Jacob Nerwinski from the University of Connecticut Huskies. And New Zealander Francis de Vries from St. Francis Red Flash. But we're going to kick this draft special of the podcast off with a chat with head coach Carl Robinson. Just talking about his two selections, what went into the thinking, what he expects from them, and chatting about a few other Whitecaps things and in what has admittedly been a fairly quiet off-season for the Whitecaps. So let's kick things off now with Robbo. Obviously, it's been a long draft day for you. Uh, you happy with the the two guys that you've ended up getting? We are, yeah, I certainly am. I, you know, everyone will tell you they got exactly who they did, but you know, I'm not sure that's a hundred percent true because sometimes the pieces of the jigsaw fall into into different pieces. So uh, we, uh, in that position of seven, knew that we wanted someone, and the guy that actually fell um, was the guy that we actually. W- wanted. Uh, he wasn't talked about much prior to the draft or prior to the combine and um, we gladly picked him up because the reviews afterwards were that he was going to get taken very, very soon after us. Yeah, it, it seemed uh, an interesting one because you'd been linked with the other right-back, Chris O'Doy Atsum. <laughs> what what did you like more about Jake Nerwinski over him that, that made you go for Nerwinski in the end? Yeah, well, obviously we got our reports from, from Alan during the year and Steve Meadley and Obviously, then you get to sit down with 
you know, we we think he's ready, and you know, it, it was a smart pickup from us. So, you know, sometimes you have to make decisions. I think four right backs went in the first fourteen picks, so a lot of teams were looking for right backs, and you know, we we filled the positional need for us as well. And you you seem to really like going for defenders in the draft. It, it seems to throw up some really solid guys, and Francis De Vries. A guy that I guess not a lot of folk know about. I had a chat with him, and he seems a really great guy, really grounded. And what do you see in him? Yeah, no, both of them are really good guys. That's the important thing. It's you know one thing we pride ourselves on is is the character of players, and you know we got some really really good characters in our locker room and dressing room, especially when you're a young player. You know, it's part of the process of being a professional footballer. And these two guys in the interviews that we had were stood out from, from apart from the rest in relation to you know their outlook on football you know what they wanted what they saw their development plans as well so you know they're going to be faced with a little bit of disappointment along the way but you know I'm sure that they will be able to cope with it because they've got you know old heads on their shoulders I, I would assume that uh, you'll still, these two guys will be fully into the, the training care group that you'll take to Wales and, and give them a chance to um, you know jump in the deep end in this environment right from day one. Yep, they will. Yeah, yeah listen, we've uh, you know we know we've got a couple of holes to fill. We know we're looking at um, some extra attacking players, some key players in key areas. So it's important we you know look at this draft as maybe some 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 backup players, some players that we think were ready to to step in if need. We, obviously, we signed Shannon through a trade through Houston, which was a great pickup for us, a good MLS player, and obviously picking up Jacob and, and Francis now will um, you know add to the the strength and depth that we try and pride ourselves on. So we know we've got some work to do at the top end of the pitch and with key players, and that's why we didn't really draft too many attacking players out of there because. You know, we, we know we're going for a, a more experienced type player in the 9-10 area. Was there a little bit of disappointment that Masato Kudo wanted to go back to Japan? No, it's, you know, sometimes it, things happen for reasons. And, you know, I have a very good relationship with Masato. I said, you know, and I always have done. You know, I think last year was very difficult for him in relation to the injuries he picked up, some freak injuries he picked up and, you know, not being in the team. And, you know, we weren't looking to move him. Uh, but an opportunity arose where, um, you know, back in his country, then Hiroshima uh, come and um, made, made their interest known. So, you know, I picked up the phone to Masato and his agent, and I said, listen, this is an opportunity. Um, is it something you'd like to explore? And uh, after numerous conversations with, with him and them, um, you know, we come to an agreement that he wanted to go back home and, and try and push back in the, the national team of Japan. So, you know, because he's such a good character and, you know, this year was going to be obviously a big year for him, and I couldn't guarantee him that he was going to play week in, week out, based upon me trying to bring in a designated player as number nine. Then um, it was just the right thing to do for players because I don't want players to be here if they one if they're not going to play or don't feel they're going to play because his his reputation is that he's played most of his life. So it was, a, it was an opportunity that he didn't want to turn down, and I didn't want to turn it down for him either. And where are you? And, and you've talked about bringing in obviously some some proven attacking quality. I mean, uh, do, do do we anticipate uh, some announcements being imminent on that front? Then, well, I wish I could say that there's going to be ten announcements tomorrow, but that's probably not going to happen. So we're we're, we're looking at the, the forward areas. We know that, and the nine and the ten is the two key areas that we need to try and address. And you know, after numerous conversations and 
numerous names mentioned to us. You know, we, we think we're close, and then suddenly the uh, parameters change and things like that. So we're, you know, on a daily basis, we're looking at names and that line. And we know that there are the two areas that we do need to strengthen, and hopefully uh, sooner or later it will be, it will be addressed. Are you hoping to try and get those in before you go to camp, before you start preseason? Yeah, I'd like to. Obviously, we all know the transfer window in in Europe, especially, is the end of January. So, um, you know, we'll probably give ourselves till then. But ideally, we'd like someone in by the start of camp. Um, but you know, that's that's not just in our hands. It's in obviously the players' hands, the agents' hands, and the other clubs' hands. So, uh, we're we're continuing to monitor uh, a number of situations. Are you expecting to have a look at a few players in Wales, whether like from the UK or, or round about that area? Do you, are you going to kind of evaluate a few? Yeah, I think there's one or two coming in, um, which will give them the opportunity us to have a look at them. And um, as I said, you know, we're probably not going to end up bringing a, a number nine in who is coming to train for one or two days that. Um, that we're going to sign as our designated player, that probably won't happen. But we have got a number of roster spots on our on, on our roster available, and so we'll, we'll have a look at a couple of guys here that are coming back from injury and uh, have not got clubs. Um, you know, there's been numerous requests, but you know, we're only going to bring them in if we feel that there's a possibility that they maybe can. Uh, you know, we, we have a chance of signing or uh, we are interested in. So there will be a couple of guys, yeah. Like talking of roster spots, though, you're you're pretty full now. Are you expecting to make some moves, like to get players to move on? Yeah, we're we're looking. Um, there's some op- some opportunities that we, we can do a little bit of business um, with one or two players, and we're exploring that. Obviously, you know we know we need the two key areas covered, but there's also a little bit of uh, movement available with one or two other players, which we're also looking into. So. Um, we, we know we've got a couple of spots uh, if we're able to move one or two pieces, which I'm looking at. And David Edgar's injury was obviously a massive, massive blow to you. D- does that make you reevaluate the centre back position at all, or are you happy with the guys that that you've got to to cover that until David's fit to go? Yeah, well, it's, you know, first of all, I'm, you know, I'm just luck- we're lucky that David's alive because it's uh, a very freak injury and. You know, his health is the most important thing. So, obviously, disappointed, you know, because he's a, he's a senior player. He's disappointed because he's unable to come in and, you know, we'll support him through his injury, rehab and process. But it's going to be a few months and he's out. So, we give the opportunity to the other guys. You know, Christian Dean and Cole Saylor now will we'll be fighting with Timmy and uh, Kendall. But, um, you know, will we look to add something else? Maybe. Um, but as I said, it's, it's part, of, part of the jigsaw that everyone's trying to figure out. So, Uh, If we don't bring anyone in, I'm happy with the guys I've got because it will continue the young players getting games. Um, But we're always looking at other opportunities as well. Carl, are you having some say or discussions with the with the club about um, how who's going to be replacing Alan Cox as WFC two head coach? Yeah, we'll obviously we're flying back tonight to to Vancouver. So over the weekend, we'll we'll get our heads together. You know, there's been numerous applications in at the at the club and we'll try and get some interviews done next week so um, you know there will be communication between all everyone at the club and we'll try and make the best decision because we've got to continue the, the development of these young players and continue these opportunities that these young players are given to try and get into the first team because that's you know that's a massive factor in you know, our direction that we want to be as a club is, is trying to develop our own homegrown players so 
have really laid down a bit of a marker of what you expect from from players when they come yeah. back this season. Yeah. I have, yeah. I think we were, you know, uh, a lot of the guys, the majority of the guys come back at certain levels of their fitness. We know it's a different dynamic this year because we are playing the Champions League quarterfinals against New York Red Bulls two weeks earlier than our season starts. So we needed to fast-track that process and try and get ourselves up to speed uh, a little bit earlier, which is why we come in with you know, the, the mindset of being fitter. You know, obviously there's football fitness and there's also this individual fitness, but a minimum requirement is we, we like these guys to be at a certain level that when we go to England and Wales that we can get into our football straight away because we only have got a short period of time based upon the, the CBA rules, which is, is difficult to say the least. So there is a minimum requirement. The guys uh, had a long off-season. They know what is expected, and, and I certainly hope they adhere to that. In terms of the schedule, which was released yesterday, um, is there is there anything that you like about it or find interesting? Obviously, the first four games of the season, uh, three of them being at home, um, uh, puts a little bit of expectation on you. Certainly, if you get results to go right, it could provide for a lot of momentum. Other than the fact, obviously, you could obviously build that momentum with the, with the Champions League and the tie against New York. Yeah, no, you can look at the schedule whichever way in a positive or a negative way, can't you? So we know we've got a couple of home games to start with. We've got to ideally get off to a good start, whether you're home or away. The home games you've got to try and win. You want to try and affect the playoffs. So uh, the schedule is probably mixed. There's some good good periods and also some very difficult periods. July, August, we know there's some difficult away games, but it is what it is. I think if you speak to every club, they'll tell you that uh, in certain aspects they're happy and other aspects they're not. So... So myself and Simon Fudge from Soccer Talk chatting with Carl Robinson by telephone there after Friday's draft in LA. So Robo had a few interesting things to say there. First of all, going back to the, the two guys that were drafted, they, they definitely seem solid draft picks and Robo has high hopes that they're they're going to provide some really key defensive depth and you have to say that Nurwinski looks like a guy, I mean, Carl said there that he, he feels that he is ready for MLS. So you have to feel that he's going to be brought in to, to push and to challenge Shannon Williams. And it's not a guarantee that Williams is going to be the regular starter come, say, the summer, if Nurwinski comes in and does really well. He seems to be a guy that's a very attacking right back. And part of the reason for that, I guess, is he did start off in high school playing as a forward which so many youth players, especially in the States, seem to do. They don't seem to develop into fullbacks until they maybe hit 17, 18 onwards and head into college. And then there's so many players that you hear drafted and they were strikers and now they're defenders. And it's just very, very weird to me. But Nurwinski also brings a little bit of versatility. He is primarily a right back, but he can play at a push at left back. And his story is a very interesting one. He comes from a family where his dad is a lawyer and a judge. His dad and his granddad and his sister, they, they all played football. His, his sister currently still plays football. So it's a footballing family. This is his dream. He could have maybe gone to be a lawyer and followed in his father's footsteps, but he wants to be a pro footballer. 
So now he's got the chance to, to do that in Vancouver. He made 81 appearances for the University of Connecticut Huskies. 75 of those were starts. And an interesting thing I read was his first six appearances for UConn were just 10-15 minute appearances off the bench. When he was brought into the club, he wasn't brought in to be kind of a regular on the team. He's brought in to be a practice player. He didn't even come in on a scholarship. He only got that after his freshman year when he had done so well. But he came in, first six games off the bench. Then there was an injury. He came in as the starting right back, never lost his place for the next 75 games. Scoring five goals and 17 assists for UConn in his four years there. Finished there as co-captain as well. So he obviously has a, a great leadership quality, which so many of the guys that the Whitecaps seem to draft basically do have that. He's a three-time selection to the All-American Athletic Conference team. And he was also called into the US Men's National Under-23 Identification Camp in July 2015, ahead of the Olympic qualifiers. So he's obviously been highly thought of in American soccer circles. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the Whitecaps. He's probably going to start off a lot of his minutes with WFC2. He did a conference call after all the, the draft hoo-ha had kind of died down a little bit. So we're going to play that for you now. Myself, Mark Weaver from the province and Jorge Mendoza from, from the back line were on the call. So let's hear now from the Whitecaps' latest number one draft pick, Jacob Nurbinski. First of all, congrat- congratulations on, on joining Vancouver. For people that, that don't know much about your game, how would you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, you know, I think I'm a very athletic, you know, player. Um, I'm fast, I'm strong, and um, got a good work rate. You know, I can get up and down the line, I can defend 1v1, and uh, I can help out in the attack too. When did you know of Vancouver's interest in you? Did you have a lot of meetings with them prior to the draft? And is that where you thought you might end up? You know, it was about halfway through the combine that I had a meeting with the uh, staff. And, you know, I thought it went pretty well. You know, they said that they really liked me. They like the person I am. And, uh, you know, I was talking to my agent. They said that there's a really strong possibility that, you know, you'd go with Vancouver. But, um, yeah, I mean kind of pretty unpredictable like how the draft works so wasn't really sure until it happened i think i heard on on maybe it was on mlssoccer.com someone talking about your parents did i hear they were both players my yeah my my father played at uh in college and uh so did my grandfather and my sister is currently playing in college right now okay and where, where did they all play yep uh my father played at old dominion university and rider university um my grandfather played at rider University and my sister currently plays at Roger Williams University. It's in uh, Rhode Island. Great. Yep. So it's 
it's it's in the blood and in the family for sure. Yeah. Talk, talk maybe talk about that influence of your dad, dad, how how has that impacted your career? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, ever since I was little, I was you know given a soccer ball to play with, and you know my dad has been there for, with me every step of the way. You know, he's been my biggest role model, and um, he's he's really helped me as a player and as a person. I see uh, you, you hold your high school record for scoring, so I take it you were uh, a forward probably in high school. I was, I was. Okay. So that, so that, that part of the game, the attacking part of your game, you, you, you really enjoy that still? Yeah, I do. And, you know, that's what I think that I could bring to the right back position. You know, I know it's defense first, but if I have the opportunity, I'll definitely, you know, try to get forward and help, you know, create a goal on the offensive end. But last thing from me, I see on your on your UConn bio, you were a member of something of some Spanish society campus. So I, I take it your Spanish is pretty good, which might help you out in Vancouver with this team. Yeah, 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 it's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, nothing, nothing crazy, but it's, yeah, I can, I can speak it. I was reading that when you went to UConn initially. You weren't offered a scholarship, but you you decided to go there and show that that you could kind of make it there. How big a decision was that for you to go there, knowing that you didn't have a scholarship, but you did elsewhere? Yeah, you know, going into my junior year in high school, the you know critical year to be recruited by universities, um, I was injured a lot, so I wasn't really getting looked at, and I was yeah just offered a roster spot at the University of Connecticut and. You know, I was talking to my parents, and they kind of agreed with me that, you know, you should just go for it. You know, it's one of the best, you know, soccer um, universities, you know, over history, really. And at the time, they were number one in the country. So I I kind of bet on myself a little bit, and, um, you know, it, it really worked out. And I, I was reading some quotes from uh, the UConn coach Ray Reed about you. He, he described your style of play as like a, a bull in a china shop and said that there's a lot of kind of player, American players, particularly in MLS, that are full of piss and vinegar, and he said that you've got way more of that to offer than a lot of players already in MLS. Like, building a China shop, but is that how you would describe your kind of style? Honestly, I didn't know that that was a quote, but... <laughs> no, I, I, you know what, I, I get what he's saying, but I still think, you know, I, I am a big, strong, you know, physical guy with um, good athleticism, but... I think I have some skill to my game too that I that definitely helps me, you know, um, be the best player I could be. Really, uh, the same interview. Th- this is going back to 2015, so it was just before I think your junior season. Um, he had said that you've definitely got what it, it takes to to make it in the pro ranks, but you do have to improve technically. What what do you feel you're going to need to work on in your game to to make it now in the pros? Yeah, you know, I think. I think over time I have gotten a lot better technically. You know, I've worked you know, endless hours with my assistant coaches, you know, working on my technical side. But um, I think, you know, just being more comfortable at the right back position, working on my um, positioning, you know, with, when the ball's on the other, other side of the field, you know, i got to make sure that I need to pinch in and, you know, have, be aware of the forwards and the wingers at all times. Reading or listening to some of the stuff that you said after the draft today, you mentioned you're a big fan of Kakuta Mani and you played against Tim Parker in college. How much do you know or or do you know any of them like before you come to the club? Uh, yeah, no, like you said, I just played against uh, Tim Parker. That was pretty much it. Um, 
you know, I'm familiar with the players, but I actually had, yeah, I've not played against them. I don't really know them that well either. I believe you you came to Vancouver during the the Women's World Cup. What games did you see here, and, and what were your first impressions of the city? Yeah, I watched the U.S. the women's team play uh, two games, and um, I just thought the city was just really beautiful. You know, it's an awesome place. It's really lively, and you know, even outside the city, you know, it's a beautiful landscape is just it's awesome. So I'm really excited. Jake, going to add another one. You you mentioned you've played with uh, a lot of players who've gone on to the pro ranks. Can you note some of those players, who they are, and, and, and the discussions you've had with them about playing in MLS or playing at the professional level? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, my freshman year, I roomed with Kyle Lahren, who was you know the number one overall pick. So I've always kept in touch with him. We're good friends, and um, we still you know talk today. You know, we, we still try to talk. You know, once a week or so, he tells me you know how different the game is, how different the you know speed of play is. But he's given me some good insight that I'm definitely going to use. And uh, I played with Andre Blake, too, who's also um, at UConn, number one overall pick, too. And I still keep in touch with him as well. And this year, uh, I believe you also played with Kwame Awua, who got, who got picked as well in the first round. Uh, have you guys been going back and forth today? Or, you know, what, what conversations have you had? Yeah, he's actually right next to me right now. Yeah, we're, uh, we're best friends, so I'm really excited for him. But, yeah, um, you know, we're, we're excited to see if we can play against each other, but... Um, we're really happy for both of us, you know, each other. It's a bit ironic that Kwame ends up in, in New York and then you end up in Canada. Yeah, we were actually just saying that. Yeah, he's from Toronto, so it's kind of funny. We're switching places right now. What, what's he told about told you about living in Canada, and what are you going to tell him about living in the, the New York area? Ah, he, he loves Canada. You know, he's, he said he, you know, he still wants to live there when he's older, so... It's a good place. Um, he's been. I've, I've actually taken him to New York City before, so he, he knows the place pretty well. And uh, yeah, it's a good city. You you were away with the the American under twenty threes in the camp and the the lead up to the Olympic qualifying. How did you find that whole experience being away with the U.S. team? Yeah, I mean it was honestly a great opportunity um, to play with some of the best players in our country. You know, the younger guys. Um, I definitely have used that to my advantage. You know, I've I've used those training sessions, used that speed of play that was different. You know, I think that's really helped me. I can. I have a quick question regarding your uh, going into your first season as a professional. Do you have any any expectations, or do you have any, any objectives that um, when when December comes around, uh, you would like to to have achieved uh, in your first year? Yeah, you know, I I understand that it's tough for rookies. You know, come in and you know make an immediate impact, but you know, I hope with my hard work, with my competitiveness, I, you know, can hopefully, you know, break into the first team or, you know, make the, the first team roster and, you know, see if I can get some some time here and there to show myself. Jake, Jake one, one more thing. Um, you know, obviously the, the goal is to push and, and get in the first team in first team minutes, but, the you know, the Whitecaps, like a number of teams, do have a USL team as well. You know, what do you think about that opportunity to, to get professional minutes right away and, and, to, and to work your way in and, and get that valuable time on the field that can help you help you earn first-team minutes? Yeah, you know, I think the USL is a great opportunity for a lot of, you know, young guys coming into the league and, you know, not having a lot of experience playing professional football. But, um, yeah, so if that doesn't, if, you know, first-team is not in the cards, you know, right away, I think that the USL, you know, Vancouver, too, will 
you know, definitely be of value to me and help me develop. And have you paid attention to that route? I mean, this past year, Vancouver signed four four players uh, who were on the USL team uh, to first-team contracts, and a number of players have, have got minutes this year um, who are yeah. under first-team contracts. Have you followed that at all? Um, yeah, I actually have. I was just talking to, you know, some of the guys, some of the staff, and they're, you know, telling me that. So, yeah, that's always good to see. So very well spoken, Jacob Nerwinski there. What do you really expect from a, a Whitecaps draft pick? Because the, the Whitecaps, especially under Carl Robinson, are very, very big on character. Both the draft picks definitely seem to have that in abundance. Robo said when we, we spoke to him earlier that the, the two guys in the interviews that they had, Nerwinski and DeVries, they stood out from the rest of the guys that they spoke to. In relation to their outlook on football, what they wanted, and, and basically what they saw in their development plans. Both very humble, both keen to learn, and both should fit in really, really well in the Whitecaps organisation. Now, we talked about Nurbinsky's journey from high school into the pros, and he talked about that himself. In fact, he didn't have a scholarship initially. The other draft pick today, Francis de Vries, he is another guy with a, a very interesting story of how he's come to end up in Vancouver. Born in New Zealand, went to Switzerland at the age of 17-18, on a trial with FC Basel, and kind of made the grade and, and stayed there for six months, got into the reserve team, the under-23 team, but then kind of thought, he really wasn't at that level compared with some of the other top European guys that, that he saw over there, which in itself is a lesson to a lot of the Canadian and American guys that always think that the grass is greener if you head over to Europe at a young age. You've got a lot more competition over there, and it's just not always plain sailing. But anyway, he made the decision then to come to the States, went to a lesser-known university in St. Francis, played for the Red Flash, that was their soccer team there, and he, he did really well with that team. He, he also, he's used to winning, and I like that. And by winning, we're not talking about what he maybe did in NCAA. When he was in New Zealand, he won a youth championship in 2011. But for me, more importantly than what he maybe did in NCAA, he played three seasons with US PDL side Michigan Bucks. Now, obviously, big jump from PDL to MLS... Not so big a jump in my mind from PDL to USL at times, depending really who you're coming up against. But he won two PDL championships with Michigan Bucks. One in 2014, where he beat Cascadia side Kitsap Pumas. And more recently in August, where he played a pivotal role in helping the Bucks seat off Calgary Foothills 3-2 in the championship game. And he also scored a goal for the Bucks in the semi-final of the championship that year. So I got a chance to catch up with Francis after the draft. We had a really, really good chat, a 14-minute chat, in fact. And he's a very interesting guy. And when he talks a little bit about just what makes him tick and just what interests him off the pitch as well as kind of his attributes on it, I think you're going to agree he's going to be a fantastic fit here in Vancouver. Carl Robinson thinks there's a lot of upside to him, a lot of future potential. He's clearly going to start off in the WFC 2 side. 
And I'm interested to see how him and Sam DeWitt maybe pair up together. It's very, very interesting draft pick, I think. And really keen to see how, how he develops here. So enough of my waffle. Let's hear my chat now with the Whitecaps second round draft pick. 29th overall. From St. Francis Red Flash. Central defender, Francis de Vries. First of all, Francis, can congratulations on on being drafted. Thank you. So, what was going through your mind when when your name was read out? Oh, good question. Um, I think I was just thankful for all the people that had helped me get to this point. Um, as I hope I conveyed in my speech, I was just thinking about how much it would mean to my parents, my brother, all my coaches that I've had that have really supported me so much on this journey. And then, yeah, from there. It was all action, right, up on stage, and not really used to that coming from the school I'm from, but yeah. a great experience and one that I'll definitely treasure in times to come. And you've probably already been asked this a couple of times and all the backstage things, but did you know the Whitecaps were interested in you, and did you have a hunch that they were going to pick you up in the second round? Not really. I mean, I know I interviewed with them at the Combine, and I thought the interview went well. Um, I interviewed with Pa. And he was already giving me some great tips on how to improve as a centre-back. And I felt like we connected on the way we thought about the game a good amount. So that was a good sign for me. But um, again, I wasn't told anything and never count your chickens before they hatch, eh? So I was just taking each pick as it comes. And when Vancouver called my name, I was, uh, I was very happy to go to Vancouver because of the interaction I'd had with them before. And obviously it's a great club as... You probably know better than me, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to getting into my time there. Yeah, and you're joining a, a group of really young centre-backs, really, with Cole Seiler, Timmy Parker, Christian Dean. It must be good knowing as well that you're, you're coming to a club that they give young players a chance. Yes, exactly, and we spoke about that in my interview as well, where they asked me why I thought uh, Vancouver might be a good fit for me, and I, I mentioned pretty much exactly what you've just said, uh, especially watching Tim Parker and Cole Siler, both East Coast guys, went to schools pretty close to me. So I kept up with them during their college careers and uh, afterwards as well, watched them both do exceedingly well at uh, Vancouver. So, yeah, it's definitely a great opportunity for me. And now it comes down to how quickly I can learn, uh, how quickly I can adapt to what the coach, coaching staff wants. And I'll certainly do my best to be diligent and try and achieve the success that, your previous draft centre-backs have had. And coming to the club, it's, I guess, safe to say that initially you're going to be getting a lot of your minutes in the USL team with WFC2. You've played PDL. Um, I know you won the championship with with Michigan Bucks this year. Were you also involved in the the 2014 championship? Yes, I was. That was a wonderful team to be a part of. The, The first team that I was a part of where I learned how important team spirit is to a team. Uh, we had a wonderful spirit within the guys and maybe we weren't, weren't the most talented team but we certainly had a lot of players that were good enough and we worked for each other and overall I had an uh, amazing three years at Michigan learning things from the coaching staff and yeah, so I had plenty of experience in the PDL for me. I, I've got to ask this, since, since you played with Michigan Bucks, what's it like playing in that really weird stadium, the indoor facility? <laughs> 
Oh, it's uh, it's great for us. It's uh, it's pretty unfair to be honest. The teams <laughs> don't know how to handle it that much. But listen, it's tough as a defender because the turf is fast, the field is relatively big, the the air it's hard to breathe in there. The game's usually pretty end to end, so you get put in plenty of situations where you might not be comfortable in. So it's, it was a wonderful place for me to go to grow as a defender, and I think uh, going to a small school, being able to go to Michigan Bucks and play with some of the best players in college soccer and prove myself in that environment, it was uh, really invaluable to my development. Coming from the college game, obviously you've had experience kind of back in New Zealand and I know you had a little spell with FC Basel, but looking first of all at coming from the college game and PDL, how big a jump do you think it's going to be going to say USL and then pushing for MLS minutes and basically just coming to the pro game now? Yes, it will be a big jump. I think not just on the field, but in all aspects of life. Up until now, soccer has just been a part of what I do, right? Like with going to school and uh, being in high school before and that, that kind of aspect. I've never had soccer as the main point in my life. Obviously, it was always the most important thing to me. But now, it all depends on what happens now. I'm fighting for a job, and that'll be one adjustment. On the field, I think there'll be several. Um, I'll have to improve my concentration and my ability to focus under pressure with the game being faster and players being better. I have to make decisions quicker and then work on some of my weaknesses that I'm sure the Vancouver coaching staff will help me identify and that I have a uh, mindset of already. But uh, I look forward to working hard and focusing on one day at a time and doing my best in every session. And hopefully by focusing on the process of improving, I can go ahead and do well for the club and give back to some of the face of Sean and me right now. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about like your journey that you've had, because it's really interesting. So you, you came from New Zealand and you, you spent a little bit of time in Switzerland. What made you decide to kind of up, up sticks and kind of go to Europe and, and see if you could make it over there? Uh, well, my mum is Swiss, so I had a support system over there already in terms of family that I could stay with. And, you know, uh, it was actually my mum that got it organised for me. She said, you know what, like, We'll just get you a wee trial over there when we go over on holiday to uh, see my family. I don't know how she did it, but I got a two-day trial and then it turned into two weeks and then they said come back uh, in a while. So I came back and had another trial there three or four years later when I was uh, 16. And so they, they took me into their under-18s for the second half of the season. And I thought at that stage, you know, I'm going to make it in Europe as a classic teenager does. <laughs> I found out very quickly that most of the players were a lot better than me, so... Once again, it was a wonderful learning experience, and I, I absolutely gave it my best, and after six months, it didn't work out, and I always had college in the back of my mind, so but you know what? This, this Europe thing hasn't worked right now. Let's try a different avenue, become a more well-rounded person, have some more time to work on your weaknesses and through your game, and that's how I came to the States, but Europe was really wonderful for exposing uh, some of the weaknesses that I had, and then making me work hard to improve them. And I definitely learned many things over there uh, from the coaches, the players, even just the general culture, how to live, uh, live by yourself for the first time after being at home for 16 years. So uh, I'm really glad I did the whole European thing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. Are your folks then still in New Zealand? They didn't come with you to Europe or to the States? No, so my parents both live in New Zealand. Uh, I love it there. I don't think they'll leave for anything, much less me. <laughs> so that's uh, great. My brother's actually studying in Holland right now, so my parents are the only two in New Zealand. Uh, the rest of my extended family is in Switzerland and Holland. 
So how much do you know then about Vancouver? I know you had a training stint with TFC. So you've obviously been to Canada before and and stuff like that. And you played, I guess, some Canadian clubs in PDLs. But have you ever been out this far west and do you know much about the city at all? No, I've never been to Vancouver. But I've uh, I've seen a lot of good things. I'm, I'm very interested in nature and uh, being an environmental studies major yeah. British Columbia is often spoken about um, I've seen some absolutely stunning pictures and I've heard from everyone that I've spoke to that Vancouver is an unbelievable place to live I, I currently have a friend who resides there she's on the Canadian women's field hockey team so she she actually just moved there two weeks ago and has been keeping me updated on how life is there oh cool uh, so I have a I have a little bit of an idea of what I'm getting into but not that much uh the great thing is I think that pretty much everyone I've met in Canada so far on this east side has been extremely friendly and I hear the west side is uh, supposedly nicer than the east side so uh, I'm pretty excited to get out and meet some people and uh, experience a new city, a, a vibrant city I've heard so uh, it's really awesome I think, I'm really happy to be going to Vancouver. Yeah, I think you, you'll really enjoy it. So a little bit of background about you. What, what kind of stuff do you like to do off the pitch? Like, what, what's your main interests? I, I have several. Um, I like to read, firstly. Uh, my mum was a huge reader and got me into reading. So Well, David Oustead's a huge reader, so you and him should get on well. Thanks for letting me know. I'll have to bring that up uh, when I see him. So, yeah, I'm a big reader, both... Uh, you know, knowledge, knowledge books, like uh, currently I'm reading about philosophy, which is interesting, although sometimes hard to get through, and uh, novels. Big Dan Brown fan, among other things. Uh, and then, yeah, I like to I, I dabble a little bit in drawing, playing ping pong, all those sort of things. But my main passion off the field, I think, would be uh, environmental conservation. So that's what uh, my major was in school, as well as psychology. And uh, I don't know how life is for a young professional if I make it, but definitely a big part that I've seen is that guys uh, get out into the community and help with programs and uh, I'm really hoping that I find something out in British Columbia if I stay there for a good amount of time where I can uh, focus on that whole environmental conservation movement and I'm not sure exactly what aspect of that I would get involved with yet but um, that would be my main goals for off the field right now if I were to reside in Vancouver for an extended period of time. Well, I think you're definitely coming to, to a good place for that. We, we have another Kiwi here, Declan Wynn, with the WFC2 yeah. team. Do you know Declan? I don't know him personally. I've seen him play as he's progressed to the youth levels at New Zealand Football. Uh, he was a big big name back in the day. Uh, and from what I've seen, also a really good player. So it would certainly be nice to see another New Zealander um, as I arrive in Vancouver. And uh, hopefully I can build a good relationship with him, having something in common. When you were drafted, you won't know this yet, but the guys that were doing the, the draft on the, the TV side, on YouTube, they described you as, you, you look a little bit unorthodox when you play, they said you were a little bit gangly, maybe you could maybe get pushed around a bit, or you had the look that you could get pushed around a bit. So I don't know how fair that is or not, but how would you describe your game? What do you think you're going to bring to the team, and what do you think your main areas of improvement need to be? Uh, so to start off with the improvement, which I think is always the most important thing, um, these guys that have been saying that, they're obviously right. They know something about soccer. I need to, need to work on my strength, my athleticism, my quickness off the mark, my footwork, all those little things. Um, and I've been doing so for at least the past two and a half years um, after I realized what I needed to improve on 
especially in college soccer, you get exposed if you're, if you're not a dominant physical presence. And I think I'm proud to say that from going from a kid who got pushed around in college to start off with, I was able to become dominant in my senior year. And even though we might have not played the best competition, you still play big physical guys that you have to tussle with. Um, I think going to the next level, it'll take more work for me to improve on that than it did in college because the level's higher, players are stronger, players are technically better. Um, but then on the other side of the ball, I think I can bring several positive things to Vancouver. Number one, my mentality, uh, willingness to help the team, to work really hard, to be honest with myself and focus on what I need to get better at and be honest about my performances and how I can help other people out on the field um, in terms of communication and um, coming from a smaller Division One school, I had to take responsibility for a program, so uh, building the younger guys up, so I hope I can bring some of that in a sense, um, even though I know I'll still be learning when I first come, and I hopefully getting that from some other guys. Uh, in terms of actual game stuff, I think technically uh, I can bring some new aspects of passing out of the back, um, finding good passes, finding good angles, and then lastly, just having a willingness not to get beat. I think I'm a better defender than people give me credit for um, because I, my positioning I think is quite good. I put myself in a lot of situations where I, I don't have to make the tackle and often in North America I feel like that goes unnoticed. They like guys who get stuck in and it looks flashy but I prefer to diffuse the situation before it comes to me. Whether I'll be able to do that at the next level that'll be a learning experience for me and one that I, I hope to get good enough at that so I can say you know that's, that's a strong part of my game at the pro level as well as it was in the college level. That's great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, congratulations again, and I look forward to catching up with you when you, you get here. Awesome, yeah. I look forward to seeing you as well. Thank you very That's much. That's great. Thanks so much, Francis. So two very interesting draft picks from the Whitecaps this season in, in the first two rounds of the Super Draft. Keen to see how they both develop. Great guys to talk to. And they're, they're coming into a Whitecaps side that is a young side. So they're hopefully going to fit right in. And it is looking to, to continue to be a very young Whitecaps side. Just before we wrap up, just going back to, to what Carl Robinson said there when, when we had the chat with him at the start of the show... Don't expect a rash of experienced signings coming up in the next couple of weeks. By the sounds of it, we're going to get two. We're going to get a number nine and a number ten. The number nine definitely is a designated player. He didn't say for definite that the number ten was going to be that as well. My expectation is that it would be. I'm not sure why you would have a second DP spot and need a number ten and not go for a really, really key guy in that position. Of course, a lot of it could mean that other players are going to have to move on to free up some money, free up roster spots. Giles Barnes is is the the big one there that we keep talking about. We need to get that salary either well bought down or moved off the books. And I think Barnes is one of the guys that Robo kind of was mentioning when he said that there's, there's pieces that he can move on. He's definitely one of those pieces that you have to think is potentially going to get moved on. And you do wonder as well whether that was also maybe one of the parameters that you talked about changing. Maybe they were looking to bring someone in, but they just didn't have that deal sorted out for Barnes yet to, to let him go. Because there's still no firm decision that he is going to be joining Owen Coyle in Blackburn. And the, 
then players that are going to come in the number nine, the number ten. There's been a few names that's been thrown out there over the last couple of weeks. A couple of from South America. You've got Icelandic forwards. Scott Arfield's name was mentioned. Ross Jenkins, who we now know is actually coming to to Wales just to take part in the camp and maybe try out to see if he can make it. So he's not definitely one of the guys that's coming. We had heard though that. The players that the White Caps are currently interested in are not those names that are out there just now. So it might be a few surprises still in the works. Hopefully there's going to be at least one of them joining by the time that they, the camp gets to Wales. It would be nice to have a couple of chats with somebody down there that's a new face or two. But we'll just have to kind of wait and see. Talking of Wales, Robo revealed today that the plan currently is that there's going to be three, potentially four pre-season games when they head off to Wales in a couple of weeks. Definitely playing Cardiff City and Oxford United. Both those games seem to be that they're going to be in Newport at the Welsh FA's training centre. Then they're, just before they head home, they're going to be travelling to play Bristol City in Bristol. So that's going to be another interesting one as well. And they hope to get another game lined up. Could be Swansea City... And the games they're looking at is going to be like under-23 players from those team development squads and kind of first-team players that are on the fringes or coming back from injury as well. But still going to give the Whitecaps some good competition heading into that Champions League clash with New York Red Bulls at the end of February. So I'll be heading over to the, the UK in a week's time, actually. Head over to Scotland first, see some action from East Fife before heading down to join up with the Whitecaps down in Newport. And the plan is right now, I'm going to bring you a couple of mini-podcasts from the trip as well. I'm not going to say we're going to do one every day, maybe every other day. A lot of interviews will bring you, some exclusive chats, some recaps of the games, what we've seen, any gossip that we've heard, just some fun stuff for the players. So we're going to be bringing you those over the remainder of the month. Then once I head back from the UK, we're going to be kicking off our first radio show on CITR Radio. 101.9 FM. You can also listen to online no matter where you are in the world. We'll be kicking that off on Sunday the 5th of February at 11pm, live from the studios at UBC. So we'll be on 11pm to midnight on that Sunday and then every Sunday thereafter. Not necessarily always going to be live. We're going to try and do as many live as possible. We're going to have like phone-in elements and stuff as well. So hopefully you'll tune in for that. The podcast will continue as is. You don't have to change anything to do with your RSS feed. This feed will still get you your podcast delivered to whatever medium you get it delivered to. We're also undergoing a rebranding of the site as well. We're going to have a new logo, some new banners on the website, so watch out for that as well. And we've got a couple of new writers to announce as well, and that should be coming in the next couple of days. So stay tuned to our Twitter account for that. And talking to Twitter, you can follow me, Michael McCall, on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Most of the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and Goal.com. So watch out for my Whitecaps coverage on that. So I hope you've enjoyed this special Super Draft episode of the podcast. Not long now till the hard work of pre-season gets underway. Players report back, I think it's next Friday. And then they'll be heading off to the UK shortly after that. What the next coming weeks will bring, who knows, but you can tell it's going to be a very, very busy time in Whitecaps land, and we'll have you covered with everything here at AFTN.
So until next time, as always, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.